My pleasure to welcome John Palafutis to the pulpit this morning. John is a longtime member of this church, a faithful leader of a Bible study for many, many, not years, but decades, and a former minister within the Presbyterian Church. John, thank you for joining us this morning. Morning. Um, when David uh, first invited me to preach, it was about two months ago, and he said, uh, listen, we're probably going to be doing as a congregation uh, a, a lot of work, especially on the property. Um, the, you all saw the announcement about having a kind of town hall meeting after this service to talk to the property committee. Well, he anticipated that. It was two months ago. We didn't know it would be this soon. And so uh, he uh, almost prophetically said, we're going to be dealing with a lot of different business issues, and uh, we are the Church of Jesus Christ, so it might be a good idea if we focused on Jesus Christ, um, a novel idea. And so for the next uh, seven weeks, we're going to be uh, taking a look uh, from different preachers to the so-called seven I am statements. Uh, coming from Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door and the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine. And it's important for us uh, as, we, as, as we go through the coming days and weeks uh, to be focusing on Jesus Christ very specifically uh, for a, a lot of reasons, not only because we're Christians, but because in times of stress and difficulty, uh, it's good to remember where our roots are. We're all familiar with I am the bread of life, but uh, we're going to take a little deeper dive on it and uh, find out why uh, the early uh, Jews were uh, upset by this. Now, one of the reasons uh, a deep dive is called for is because uh, of our own attitudes uh, in certain areas. Everybody thinks they're an expert on politics. You're not, but everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks they're an expert on communications. Not. Everybody thinks they're an expert on religion. Uh, not. Everybody thinks they're an expert on real estate. Now, unfortunately, we know a lot more about real estate than we do about the other three. Uh, and so going through these real estate questions is going to be uh, daunting for the property search committee. Uh, of which my wife is chair, so she has my special prayers on this. Now, in the midst of all this, uh, we have to remember that Jesus understands the complexity of our lives. Uh, he's not stupid. He's not stupid. He's not a, a stick figure. He understands the kind of lives we live. Uh, you know, we are, uh, some of us are working in the home, uh, some of us work in a bakery or an office, and we're bringing up your kids. Uh, there's a dozens of details to deal with in a complex life. Going to school and just surviving your teenage years. I am sympathetic. I did survive my teenage years. Not well, but I did. And that takes time and it's effort, and Jesus understands that. Uh, and Jesus is also uh, not the stereotypical uh, leader uh, uh, in front of us or a guru who talks about in, in sort of 
abstract ways about the sound of one hand clapping. Jesus is very clearly someone who understands and talks very specifically to the kinds of things that are important to us. He's the king of the universe. And that's what's going on in our passage today. The context for the passage today of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, is the feeding of the so-called 5,000. Now, 5,000, the way the Jews counted uh, back then, it was the heads of families. So there are probably 15 to 20,000 people that he fed. 15 to 20,000. And it's the famous, what was it, uh, you know, five, five loaves and two fishes and uh, five barley loaves in this kind. Now, it's, it's interesting that uh, the, the b- barley is mentioned only three times in the New Testament. Strange. Uh, the first time is here. Uh, the second time is in the book of Revelation. Barley was the, uh, uh, the, the bread poor people ate. Uh, this, this miracle is mentioned on all four Gospels, but only in this one does it talk about the fact that it's barley, a clear implication that it's uh, for poor people. Um, and it's important to see Jesus' miracles in a broader context than just feeding 5,000. Jesus' miracles are always taking care of the lack in our lives. He feeds. He heals the blind, he heals the lepers, he heals the lame, feeding people. Jesus Christ understands the things that we need and he's penetrating in to show, I can fix this. I can fix this. I know what has to be done. And this becomes extremely important because he's sort of spreading his bona fides in front of everybody to say, see, I know what I'm doing and I know how to do it. But then he steps back and uh, uh, after, they, after he feeds the crowd, they came to him the next day. They said, and when, when they came, Jesus said, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, when he said this, the people in the crowd said, uh, okay, then what is the work that we should do? Because Jesus said, do not work for the food that spoils. Do not, they said, what is the work God would want us to do? Uh, he's begging this question from the crowd. Uh, now, in, in, in some respects, they're asking, what's the essence of Christianity? What's the essence of Christianity? Uh, I decided to take a look at it. And so I went to a search engine and typed in what is the essence of Christianity? And as we all know, I was with great confidence because the internet never lies. So I took a look at it. These, These things come back. The essence of Christianity, very specifically it says it, is love your neighbors yourself, not that. Do unto others as you would have them do to you, okay? Another one was feed the poor, do good. And then several said the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, all wrong answers, but interesting. Uh, I decided to take a look, a deeper dive on, on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, just personally, what I thought, you know, we always talk about the Beatitudes being so important. And I took a look at eight of the Beatitudes. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. And I realized that people who are looking at this to say this is the essence of the gospel are probably killing themselves in the sense that there's only one thing on this list that I am, and that's poor in spirit. And I probably don't understand it correctly. So to look for the Sermon on the Mount, as profound and as wonderful as it is, really points out the difficulties in life, in my life, and what I really need, and what, I, what, what Jesus has to offer. And it's after they, they talk to him and uh, ask him what the work of God is, he says this, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God that you believe in him and whom you have sent. No other religious leader says something like that. All the other religious leaders point to their teaching. Jesus Christ points to himself. And this is instructive for us this, this morning, not only back then, but this morning. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We, we hear this a lot, but what's Jesus saying? He says, truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, I love this metaphor because it's so startling. It's also startling because of what happens at the rail. Eat my, eat my flesh, drink my blood. If, if you're from another culture and you hear that, it's just barbaric. But again, Jesus is not stupid. He's making a point. He's making a point to us. And he's saying, this is the kind of, uh, uh, of uh, position, this is the kind of attitude you have to have, to have towards me. And it's, it's, it's startling. And it was startling to those uh, early on. It says, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus is saying that I'm the sustenance that's going to get you through life. Not only eternal life, because eternal life starts today, but your life day after day. Now, the further context for Jesus' statement is, the, is a passage from uh, Ephesians chapter 6. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I mean, this is science fiction stuff in the sense of we're struggling against forces in the heavenly places. And we have to sustain ourselves for that, for that struggle. And we have to ask ourselves, how will we feed our souls? How will we feed our souls? Now, this is the part in most sermons where the minister will do one of two things. He will start talking to you about Bible study, reading the Bible, and uh, you know, doing your devotions, and uh, you're squirming in your seat, and singing hymns, and doing all those things. And uh, again, all those things are important. 
And if the minister is really tough, he'll get somebody from the congregation up here to talk about the fact that every day they rise at five in the morning and they do two hours of Bible study and reading. See, I, I'm, people are nodding. They'll go, yeah, I know that woman who does that. Uh, and, you know, and, and that person will be speaking and the people in the back row will start squirming and look at their emails and other people will just go, I wish I hadn't come today. Um, uh, but what I'm about to say, and there are people in this congregation who get up at five in the morning and do it for two hours. And for the three of you, you don't have to listen anymore. <laughs> but for the rest of you, uh, I want you to pay some attention. Um, I, uh, I go to eight doctors during the year. It's not eight appointments. I go to eight different doctors. And uh, all the old people in the room are going, oh yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Uh, and what happens uh, when you get older and you have to go to eight doctors, uh, you suddenly uh, learn how to read all your blood tests. Uh, twice a year I get this whole slew of blood tests that, that go after 30 to 40 different leading indicators. And so when I go to the one doctor that asks, he can, he can determine me, tell me exactly what I've had to eat all year, and worse, what I've had to drink. Uh, it all comes out. And in some respects, it affects my, all that stuff has affected my DNA. Uh, it's the same thing spiritually that Jesus is talking about here. What are you going to feed your soul? What's, and how are you going to feed it? It is not enough to go down the checklist and say, yep, I read a passage in the Bible, I prayed today, I read a, a, a page from Charles Spurgeon or um, Oswald Chambers, you know, that it becomes a checklist. But the question is, how will you devour Jesus Christ in the days and the weeks to come? And what usually happens now in sermons is somebody tells you exactly how. Uh, this is, there's about 60 of us here today. We all deal with our Christian lives in, in, in different ways. But my exhortation to each of you is to figure this out, how you're gonna feed your soul. How you're gonna feed your soul. I try to uh, th think about, well, what's the definition of soul since nobody's come up with it before? I said, well, I'm gonna try, you know, I'll try my definition to see what you think. I started thinking about what my soul is and at least in practical terms, it's something where I feed my significant, whatever I think is significant in my life. What is it? And when I look at the significant things in my life, I can look at the kinds of things we do. My 12-year-old grandson, he finds his significance in Minecraft, or Fortnite. Fortnite. I, uh, when I realized that this was feeding his soul, God help us, this was a feeling, I understood why when we called him for dinner, he would go, I can't, I just can't, because in some respects it was feeding his soul. We all have those kinds of things in our life that feed what our significance is. And I am not now gonna suggest that you necessarily need to spend more time. Don't go down the checklist. But I am gonna say that you need to figure out what one thing, just one thing that you need to do differently that's gonna feed that significance through Jesus Christ. That when you pray, you pray realizing Jesus Christ is there. He's actually paying attention to you. Stunning. And if all you can do is 10 minutes 
of praying, do it. If you go, I don't even really know what to pray, pick up a prayer book. But have that sense that Jesus Christ is listening. If all you can do is sing hymns and it's 10 minutes, do it understanding that Jesus Christ hears you and is feeding you in this process. If there is a devotional book that you read and you go, this person understands what I'm going through. Let Jesus Christ feed you in that, in whatever mysterious way it is, in whatever spiritual way it is. We have to understand that those of us here who believe in God have gone into a new realm. We're supernaturalists. And we have to realize that the prayer, the Bible study, whatever it is you pick for that 10 minutes that changes you and feeds feed your soul is a supernatural reality. And you have to struggle with it. It has to be a struggle. About seven years ago, I started uh, going on the elliptical uh, five times a week for 30, 30 minutes a day. I hadn't exercised in the previous 10 years. I can assure you that when a 70-year-old man gets on an elliptical for the first time in 10 years, it hurts. And it hurts. My prayer life also changed, although I'm not sure, oh God, is really a prayer when you're on the elliptical. <coughs> it, it may hurt, but the elliptical has, has changed me. Think how much more spending that time with Jesus Christ will change us. Go there expectantly and don't overlook it because that's what's going to change your life. That feeding is going to change your life. I take a look at what's going on in our country today, and uh, not only within our church and looking at real estate, but in our country. And the, the reaction from the church in many respects is, is troubling to me. Uh, anger and hatred are not the weapons, spiritual weapons of the kingdom of God. And I believe that sometimes the anger and hatred expressed from the church is a function of not being fed by Jesus Christ. If you go during your week, take a look at the kinds of things you're feeding on. Take a, take a look at your podcast. Take a look at which TV stations or newscasts you're going. That's what's feeding you. You need to be careful. You need to be fed by Jesus Christ. And that feeding starts and ends here. I uh, went back and listened to my last three sermons that I preached here, and I realized that they always end at the same place. And I was trying to, why do I always end at the same place? And I realized, because it's the most important place I go every week, and that's here. We're gonna hear these words. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. You come down there and realize Jesus Christ is offering himself to you. Start your week out like that and say, what am I gonna do this week to be fed by Christ? It becomes, it's ultimately important. It's not something just for old people who are getting near death. It's something for us to live our lives that we're being fed by Christ. This is the transformative nature of our faith. And this is what Christ offered us today. Let's pray. Heavenly King, we thank you that you've not just taught us, but you've offered yourself to strengthen us, to change our hearts, to sustain our souls. We look forward to being fed by you this day. We pray in your holy name. Amen.